Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. My name is Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. The Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thought I'd do a little bit of, you know, Gregorian chant version of... Gregorian chant. The blessing. I don't know if it was quite that, but yeah, it was a little different. <laughs> so... This is episode 35. Um, why are we singing that song? So we're kind of unpacking the blessing that God promises to give through Abraham. And so we're going to keep unpacking that and looking at how it shows up in the New Testament because there's actually a little bit of controversy in Paul's day, and I would say even today, about how we actually get access to that blessing. And actually what that blessing is, too. You know, like if somebody says, hey, I just want to give you a blessing. You know, you're thinking, okay, is this a fruit basket? Is it, <laughs> are they going to cut me a check? You know, like what's, what, is, what, what kind of blessing are you going to give me? <laughs> I need to know that before you give it because I may not want it. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, we want to define what that blessing is, discover it, define it, and then also look at how we access it. So we ended up in Genesis 12, 3 which I'll read again. Mm -hmm. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, yeah, so just a little quick footnote. Your translation says people, but the Hebrew term is actually there. It's mishpaka, which means extended family. So at this, at this level of the promise, the promise is made, the blessing is being promised to extended families. But what we're going to see in the story of Abraham is that this the scope of who is going to receive the blessing kind of starts getting larger and larger. So it's, it's almost like things start expanding the further you get into the story. Okay, so are we looking further in the story then today? Yeah, we're going to kind of fast forward to another place where God repeats the promise to Abraham and see how it kind of... Uh, gives a little bit more detail. It gets kind of fleshed out, no pun intended. And that passage is Genesis 22, verses 15 through 18. And this is right after Abraham goes up on the mountain to offer Isaac. And then he notices the ram in the bush, and he sacrifices the ram instead of Isaac. And then after that happens, God starts talking to Abraham. And this is where we're going to pick up in in the text is what God says to Abraham after all that happens. Okay, so I'll, I'll read it. Genesis 22, um, starting in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your seed, nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. 
Okay, so there's a couple things that get expanded here. In Genesis 12, 3, the promise is in you, that is in, in Abraham, all families of the earth will be blessed. And in this passage we just read, it actually says through your descendants, okay, or through your seed. And what's important here is that in the Hebrew, it's a singular. In other words, it's not seeds, plural. It's a seed singular. But it's a little bit tricky because we have words in our English language that you say them in the singular, but they can also mean plural. So like the word sheep is both singular and plural when you're talking. You have to kind of clarify and know the context. Uh, in Hebrew, the term for descendant or seed is singular, but it could potentially be plural depending on how you want to use it. And this is going to show up in our New Testament passage today, that Paul's going to use it in a specific way. He's going to use it in a strategic way. So it's not just in Abraham. Now it's through his seed or his descendant, descendants. Uh, and it's not just families. Now it's broadened to the Hebrew term goyim, which is nations. So the scope of the promise, nations includes families, but it's a broader people group than just families. It's actual nations. And if I understand the term goyim correctly, it's the root of that term actually is sort of like a, like a torso. It's like the big part of a body. It's like the thing that makes up a body, not the arms and feet, but kind of like the, the thing that makes an it an it. And so it's an identifiable body of people that you could look around and say, oh, there's this group, there's that group, there's this nation, there's that nation. But goyim is also not necessarily like geopolitical. In other words, it's not like, oh, you mean like the nation of Sudan or the nation of Ireland. It's more like a people group type of nation or ethnicity or language. So that's, it's important to kind of clarify that. Uh, he's not making promises to nation states, in other words. You don't want to read that back into the text. Okay, that makes sense. So last week we looked at where the blessing comes up in Acts, but today we're going to look over at Galatians 3, where Paul brings up this exact verse from Genesis 22. Yeah, he's going to, Paul is having a major argument with some people in Galatians, and so it's almost like you get to uh, read a really, really long text message reply to a debate and argument that somebody's having, <laughs> so... It, it really is that confusing when you're reading into it because you're, you're listening in on somebody's, somebody's reply. I mean, texts are never confusing. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you can never misunderstand or never get the wrong impression. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're in Galatians 3 and starting in verse 5. Correct. All right, so I, I guess I'll start. So verse 5 says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So here we have right away, we have these two different competing categories. One is works of the law, and there's actually a lot of debate and controversy about that phrase, what it means. I'm not going to weigh in on that because that would get us distracted. In essence, it does involve the idea of relying on your own merit your own activity, your own obedience to 
arrive at and secure the blessing. So that's what works of the law generally means. And then that's pitted against the hearing of faith. So yeah, those are kind of like the two competing categories, or you could say that there are two pathways to get to a blessing. And one group in Galatians is saying, hey, if you really want that blessing from Abraham, then you have to rely on the works of the law. The law meaning the Old Testament, the the Mosaic Covenant. And then Paul's coming along and saying, no, that's not true. You do not have to rely on the works of the law to get the blessing. The way that you get the blessing is by faith. And that word faith is used in multiple ways in the book of Galatians. So it's, it's not just a, you know, just believe. Um, it's actually multi-layered. It's multifaceted. It's like a diamond and you rotate it and you see it different perspectives. So it's kind of like a pregnant term. It can give birth to a lot of meaning. All right, that's kind of setting us up to, to, to keep reading here. Um, verse 6, he says, Just as Abraham... And he quotes Genesis 15, 6 here. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. If you read between the lines here, the people in Galatia who are, you know, promoting this idea that you get the blessing by the works of the law, They are probably using Abraham as an example, and they're probably using the example of Abraham circumcising his sons. And they basically are saying, look, if you want to get that blessing, you got to be circumcised. And as long as you remain uncircumcised, you are not going to get the full blessing of Abraham, which is actually pretty bad news if you're a guy. You know, if you're a girl, you probably wouldn't be like, eh, whatever, you know, I'm going to get the blessing regardless. But if you're a guy, you're like, no, this is really important. (laughs) This is an important discussion. We need to hear what Paul has to say about this because where we land on this really matters. (laughs) It can be quite painful uh, to be circumcised as an adult. Right. So it's kind of an important deal. Uh, But Paul takes it even deeper and says, well, there's a lot more going on here than just a painful event of being circumcised. If you start messing with this, you're going to mess with the very foundation of what the gospel is about. So uh, verse 8, he says, and this is what's interesting because he kind of personifies the scripture. He says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, and when you see Gentiles, just think nations, because that's what the word means, that he would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel, which is an interesting phrase, It's like, wait, I thought the gospel was preached in the New Testament. And Paul's saying, no, when God promised to justify the nations, um, you know, through Abraham and his descendants, he was actually proclaiming the gospel. He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, and here's that phrase, in you all the nations shall be blessed. It's like, hey, okay, so what Paul's doing is he's tying in this theme of faith with Abraham and the blessing that God was going to promise through Abraham and his descendants, but then he's also saying that the nations get access to that blessing through faith 
just like Abraham got access to righteousness through faith. So, what makes this kind of confusing is that Paul is going to use several terms, kind of like a cluster, and they're all in the same family. They're all like related, but they're different. So, that, that cluster of terms is going to be righteousness, blessing, and life. And those three terms are all intertwined. In Paul's mind, if you are truly righteous, then it's going to involve a blessing. And if you are truly blessed, it's going to lead to life. And if you have life, it means that everything in your human condition, which is marked by death and corruption, if you really have life, then it means that things are going to be made right. Your human condition is going to be corrected. So righteousness, blessing, and life are all pointing towards resurrection. They're all pointing towards a new humanity. And that comes out later in you know the book of Galatians. It also comes out in the book of Romans and how Paul uses those terms. Paul's making an argument here that the way you access blessing, righteousness, and life is through faith. But the other group is saying, no, you actually access it through doing the works of the law. Thanks for explaining the difference there, Tim. I'm looking at the, the time here, and I'm thinking we're probably not going to make it all the way through this Galatians passions. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And this particular episode. So I'm thinking maybe we can continue this conversation in the next episode. But as you're talking, I feel like we should pause and ask the question, what is faith? Like, what exactly is faith? Because we're talking about the law and them keeping the law. And then we're talking about faith. But what is faith? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And as usual, very foundational topics could be, you know, talked about for a long time. But I'm going to try to keep this in the context of Galatians. That'll kind of put some boundaries on us. One of the phrases that's used consistently with the word faith is it doesn't necessarily show up in our English translation. It, uh, the Greek word is ek, ek, and it means out of, and this gets translated in the book of Galatians as, you know, of faith, of. And the reason why this is important is that Paul is basically positioning faith as uh, something that's kind of like a launching point or something that comes out of that, which means it precedes, it comes beforehand. And so he'll use the word faith. So one of the questions to ask in the book of Galatians is, well, whose faith are we talking about? One of the ways Paul talks about faith in the book of Galatians is about the faith of Christ. In other words, Christ's own personal faithfulness to God. And this becomes really important when you start contemplating, well, what does it mean to be of faith or to be out of faith versus out of the works of the law? It basically means you're working from the faithfulness of Christ. In other words, uh, we tend to talk about faith as something that we do, Right, As in, we have to believe, we have to believe enough, we have to have the right faith and the right object of our faith. Yeah, that's definitely how we typically think of it. That's right. 
And when you put the emphasis on that, it ends up being more, if you're not careful, it kind of drifts into, well, instead of, you know, placing your trust and your faith in Christ, it's more about you end up believing in your own belief. Like, I have to have faith in my faith. Like, am I believing enough? Am I believing strong enough? Right? You know, one of the parables that I like to share in talking about faith is, or maybe it's kind of like a riddle, I'm not sure, but it basically says, a lot of faith in a weak bridge will get you wet, but just a little bit of faith in a strong bridge will keep you dry. And this is intended to highlight, it's not necessarily the quality or the quantity of your faith. It's actually the object of your faith that really does something for you and that kind of uh, secures something for you. And so in Galatians, the object of our faith is actually Christ's faithfulness. In other words, we trust that Christ was completely faithful in his obedience to the law, which is also an expression of his obedience to God, but he was also completely faithful in God's call for him to lay down his life for us. And so this understanding of faith kind of comes out in verse 20. There's actually a song that a lot of people have made out of this verse. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, Christ's faithfulness to God becomes the paradigm and the pattern by which we organize the pattern of our life. You know, the way Richard B. Hayes would illustrate this in relation to how his faithfulness affects our faithfulness is that it's kind of like when you watch a movie and you identify with a, a, the hero in the movie and there's something about their story and their courage and their devotion, you know, if it's a good story about a hero, they're doing, they sacrifice themselves for someone else, you know, for the greater good. And Richard B. Hayes says that this is kind of how we get drawn in by the faithfulness of Christ, and it actually causes faith to rise up in us. It's like watching a hero in a movie, and then you leave the movie and you're inspired by that. You're living inside of that story. And you kind of identify with the hero in the story, and you kind of see yourself as potentially reliving that story in your own life in a creative kind of way. You know, faith in Galatians is first and foremost about the faithfulness of Christ in laying his life down for us. And then we kind of get caught up into that story, and it causes faith to start rising up in us. And we then have this faithful response to Christ's faithfulness. And it's that kind of faith in Christ that Paul is really getting at in the book of Galatians. Um, Christ becomes the bridge that we trust in to help us arrive 
and get access to the blessing. That was a great explanation, Tim. I'm really glad that we stopped to look deeper into faith and what faith is. So I think we're going to have to end it up here. I do love what you said that it's really not the amount of our faith, just like Jesus. That's why Jesus used a mustard seed idea of a mustard seed of faith mm. can move a mountain. And so it is, it is about the object of our faith. So my question to you is, what is the object of your faith? Jesus is worthy to be our object of faith. And if you have a hard time believing that, I encourage you to seek him out. So we're going to end it here, and we're going to have to (laughs) have a part two on this uh, Galatians passage, Mm -hmm. just because there's a lot in here, and it's directly related to Abraham as well. So we'll, we'll jump back in probably here in Galatians 3, starting in verse 10 on the next episode. But I'm glad we talked about this today. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we will catch you on the next one.